For our scripture, we turn to the Gospel of Luke this morning. Luke chapter 7, we'll be reading verses 36 through 50, and that's where our focus will be this morning from Luke. It's Jesus is engaged early in his ministry, really, and he comes to the home of a Pharisee where this episode happens and where we're taught. Shall we read those words together? One of the Pharisees asked him, Jesus, to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table, and behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who's touching him, for she is a sinner." And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, Say it, teacher. A certain money lender had two debtors, one owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, The one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you've judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Thus our reading from God's word, a blessed word to us. May he be pleased to bless that word to us this morning. Familiar story, probably, for most of us. Uh, Three main characters. The Pharisee, the, the sinful woman, and Jesus. And as we look at an episode like this, we kind of are peering in, peering down, we have sort of a drone eyes view. We can look upon this event. We hear the conversation, the words. And you can listen to all that and keep it out here. But what if I asked you, which one are you? 
Who do you most identify with? Well, Jesus. <laughs> Are you ever the Pharisee? We're all the Pharisee when you've ever looked at someone else and think they don't belong, they're not for us, keep out, stay away, I'm better than you, you are beyond the pale, throw them out, be done. And who have, we've, we've done that with people, we do it when we drive. Then you have the woman. You want to identify with her? You are the sinner. A prostitute, perhaps. A scandalous person. Identifiable. The unwanted. The excluded. Or Jesus. Yeah, I'm like Jesus. You are? See, it's one thing to read this story like a drone looking over top and spying and, hmm. It's another thing, where do I fit? That's different. Where do I fit? The reason I call this from exclusion to embrace is because sin always brings exclusion so that there is no embrace. When you, even as a married couple, we're in love, oh, our treasure, my beloved. There's the good use of beloved. <laughs> beloved. Yeah, but you did this, and you didn't show up, and you, you forgot about me, and you, you snipped at me and snapped at me, and, and now I feel hurt. And now there's a pushing away, a, a drawing back. No embrace. Embrace needs forgiveness. To achieve that, we need reconciliation. We need to be brought together. We need forgiveness. And then comes embrace. The world is a world at each other's throats. There's a veneer of civility, which is put there by laws and penalties. Why don't we all get out of line all the time? Well, I don't want to spend my life in jail. That's why I don't want to get sued. I don't want to... So, what keeps the veneer, what, what brings this civility, a lot of it is the strength of, of, of laws, of penalties. Otherwise, it would be all huddles and mobs and gangs, and I hurt you, and we got to protect ourselves from the next guy who will hurt us. Exclusion! And that's why it's amazing that God would bring an embrace of so loving the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's whoever believes in him shall not perish. Perish. Exclusion. Shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Embrace. Adam and Eve in the garden. Walked with God in the cool of the day. Embrace. Friendship. Fellowship. Sin against God. Ignore his command. We'll be gods. We, God doesn't have 
good intentions for us. The devil's right. Let's go his way. Sin against God, exclusion. They hide from God, estranged from God, alienated from God. Stay away, God. Stay away. Hide. And he comes showing the way of forgiveness through the seed of the woman, through Jesus, finally. He comes to bring forgiveness, embrace. Now that's what's happening at the home of Simon the Pharisee. We want to look at, sounds kind of boring at first. Should a preacher ever say that about his own sermon? The setting. (laughs) By setting, I mean sort of the cultural stuff here. And then the parable, and then the application. What do I mean by the setting? Well, this is a peculiar story by our cultural standards in all kinds of ways. First, the Pharisee. We don't have Pharisees today, by definition. Pharisees were scripture scholars who, with scribes, would print out Scripture, write it out, because they didn't have printing presses in those days. So it was a very meticulous job. And if you've ever tried to copy something out after someone else, you know, it's easy to drop a line, skip a word. So it was very meticulous scribes. And the Pharisees, they were people who studied the Scriptures that basically said, isn't about time we actually live by the Scripture isn't about time. We finally really get serious about doing it. Not sort of limping along, but dedicated, devoted, full strength, full tilt. We're going to do this. Those are the Pharisees. And people honored the Pharisees, respected the Pharisees. They set an example. Look at them. They were disciplined and knowledgeable and intelligent about the Scripture. And the Pharisees, the Apostle Paul, by the way, had been nurtured and trained as a Pharisee. So the Pharisees were people who could kind of help lead the way and show the way. And we learn that the Pharisees were sort of making an evaluation of Jesus, and this one called Simon invites Jesus to his house. Now, we immediately think of our homes, but you have to think of homes that had more kind of an opening to the street. It wasn't public, but it wasn't private either, sort of in between. So that Jesus comes into the home of Simon the Pharisee, and there's various kind of protocols that were typical in those days that are foreign to us. We learn about this, that a woman of the city was a sinner. Now, we're all sinners. What are you talking about? Isn't everyone a sinner? Of course. But she had earned the title sinner as a scandalous person, as someone who would not be ritually clean to go go to the temple and that kind of thing. The person who wasn't frequenting the local synagogue for worship. The person, probably a woman desperate to survive, had turned to prostitution and call it a double standard, likely was very much so. 
but she survived through a scandalous life. The town knows it, and she's the dirty woman. She shows up and brings this alabaster flask of ointment and stands behind Jesus and is weeping, and she's wetting his feet and wiping his feet with her tears. We have all this stuff going on that's pretty foreign to the kind of things we do. I mean, if someone comes into our house, um, we shut the door, or our house is very private, and no one just shows up at some banquet or small gathering. But in that culture, it's different. Even what you do, if, if you have some fellows who, from the job site, get invited to your house, you'll welcome them, you'll show them where to be, you'll, you'll say there's restroom facilities if you need to wash up, you'll practice, you'll point, and, and you'll serve. We have our own cultural standards for welcoming. But in that culture, it, they did odd things like wash feet. What? Try going to someone's house and they say, well, you know, this has all been nice, but you haven't washed my feet yet. I'd like to kick my shoes off. If Here you go. <laughs> like, yikes. Oh, by the way, you didn't give me a big smooch. What, what's that about? I once did a little preaching outreach thing in the country of Romania. And in the worship services of these believers... The women and girls sat on one side of the sanctuary, and the men and boys sat on the other side of the sanctuary. And following the service, they marched out to greet the pastor, and everyone gave you a peck and kind of a half hug. Even whiskery men, you know. That was against my cultural standards, but... (laughs) I embraced it, okay? Whoa. (laughs) So in Jesus' culture, the greeting with a kiss was a sign. It's, you know, our warm handshake. That was their standard. And the washing of feet, that was normal in a desert climate where you'd have all this grit and sand get between your toes, and it's hot and dry, and there's no air conditioning like we know it. How do you find refreshment and relief? You take your shoes off, they're put in a bowl, and all that, and your feet are made cool, and now you start feeling better. And in a a climate and a time in which they don't have the hygienic standards of today, well, how do people uh, not smell as uh, ripely? Well, you used uh, oils, fragrant oils, anointments, and the like, and hence the anointing of the head. See, this is all really strange to us. You have to go back to the 60s with built brill cream and, and the other uh, Vitalis. And see, some of the oldsters know what I'm talking about. Score, you know. Uh, the old, old commercials and your hair's all slicked down, but that that... Every one of those hair gels back then had a certain fragrance to it. Your, your pomade you know, had a certain fragrance. And that was part of the pleasure 
of it is you smelled better. Well, that's how it all applies here as well. So this, this what happens here? This woman comes, this sinful woman, and the Pharisee scandalized when he sees this woman uh, taking her hair down in public, which is either a sign of sensuality or lament, and now taking her hair down and this sinful woman touching this rabbi, and he's letting this happen. It's a public display. It's scandalous as she's there weeping, kissing his feet, wiping his feet, and administering this ointment to him. And the Pharisee, is, if, if this man were really a prophet, he'd know what kind of woman is touching him. Does he like it? Is he a scandalous person too? Jesus has been welcomed into a home, but not embraced. He's been welcomed into a home to be evaluated. He's excluded. Except it's the Pharisee who has himself up here evaluating not only the woman at his feet, but Jesus himself. There isn't embrace here. There isn't forgiveness. There isn't grace. There isn't love. There isn't mercy. There's evaluation, estrangement. I don't know about you. So Jesus, if this man were a prophet, as a matter of fact, he is a prophet because he knows what you're thinking. And he knows what the woman's thinking. And he knows what's on our hearts. So he speaks to Simon, but looks at the woman. Simon, I have something to say to you. Say it, teacher. And now comes this parable. Simon, I have something to say to you. Say it, teacher. And again, the Bible's very clear. He's speaking to Simon, but looking at the woman. Do you see this woman? Does he? Well, yeah, I see her. She's a sinner. It's scandalous. This is horrible. Do you really see this woman? What do you see? You realize Jesus sees us, really sees us. There's the veneer that's us. There's the combed up Sunday us. There's the howdy brother us. There's the how you doing, I'm doing great us. And then there's the by ourselves in the car us. There's the wounded us. There's the you that's burdened, hurting Anxious, guilty. There's the you that looks on your life and sees regrets, sees dead ends. There's the you that has pain and hurt and questioning and wondering and bafflement. Yes, God sees you. Jesus sees you. 
He really sees. He really knows. They're not, he really sees this woman. What the town sees is a sinful woman, a decadent woman, a scandalous woman, a dirty woman, an excluded woman. What Jesus sees is a woman who's embraced, who's forgiven, who's loved, who's wanted. Jesus sees something else, so he tells a parable. And this parable is so simple, four-year-olds get it. Really simple parable. You have, you have two fellows, and they're both in debt. They owe money to a money lender. And, you know, boys and girls, you can relate to this. Even big boys and girls. So you both owe, siblings owe their father. One owes their father $5,000, hefty sum. But the other son owes $50,000. And dad's coming to the money and so on, and he decides, you know, they can't pay me back. And they're sitting there burdened every month. They're trying to toss me money to get out from under the, this, this debt they owed me. And I've come into this money. I cancel the debt. So he tells both sons, forget about it. Forget about it. <laughs> it's, it's over with. What? Dad, are you serious? Forget about it. it. It's covered. Stop it already. No, I'm not taking it. You're not in debt to me. Well, which one will be happier? Well, the one who's, well, obviously, the one who has the more money forgiven. Right, yeah, duh, everyone knows that. You've answered rightly, Simon. The one son goes out, Dad's forgiven us the 5000 We don't have to pay that back. Let's go out for pizza. The other son, Dad's canceled 50000 Wow. Let's take a trip. The celebration's different. And Jesus says, Simon, you have answered wisely, correctly, rightly. Then turning to the woman, he said to Simon, do you see, do you see, do you see? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. Not odd for our culture, odd for that culture. I, our culture, I entered your house and you had me stand at the doorway. You didn't welcome me in. You didn't tell me where I should sit. You didn't offer me any kind of beverage or use of the facilities. Or That's how it's starting to get to an equivalent in our culture. You invited me, but you didn't welcome me. But this woman has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. This woman is embracing me because she's embraced by God, because she's forgiven. And he continues along those lines, right? You gave me no kiss. 
There was no, welcome, good to see you, come on in, brother. So, man, Jesus, I've wanted to, or their cultural equivalent, just a friendly kiss. But she has been kissing my feet over and over. You didn't anoint my head with oil, which was the common... We, we, we share what? Bug spray, suntan lotion, <laughs> something like that. No, we don't go around sharing our brill cream or dippity do or whatever they call it nowadays. Vroom or whatever they call it. We don't do that. But that culture they did. You know, come on in. Put some oil upon your body, your face, and your head. And you, you're fragrant, you feel good, you're getting comfortable. You're bringing embrace and fellowship. Now, you've kept me at a distance to evaluate me as maybe a co-center with this other center who doesn't belong. Exclusion! But she has anointed my feet with ointment. Are you listening, Simon? Do you see yet? Do you see, church? Therefore, I tell you, therefore, given her actions, her actions are actions of one who's embraced, who's forgiven, who's grateful, who's happy, who's brimming over with the tears of love. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. Now, let's be clear what it's not saying. It's not saying because she loved so much, now she earned her way to forgiveness. It's the opposite. She's learned and heard the message of God's free grace and love. She's received it. She's brimming with joy. And she's expressing her love and embrace of Jesus as being one embraced by the Lord and his grace. This is why when we come to church, we can come with the burdens of a weak past and a situation in life that is not solved and circumstances in our hearts that, that break us and hurt us. Jesus sees that. But may we also come knowing that we're embraced, that we're loved, that we're wanted, that he sees, that he knows, that he understands. And therefore, we can come with gratitude in our hearts, with even in heartbreaking circumstances, a joy behind it that I'm caught in the loving arms of Jesus and I'm under his care. And that's what he's saying. Her sins are forgiven, man. Look at her love. There's the proof in the pudding, as they say. You want to see, those who love little, or forgiven little, love little. Those who are forgiven much, love much. Her much love is proof. Yeah, she's a scandalous woman with a broken life. Yes, I see it, I know it. You know what I also see? She's a forgiven woman. An embraced woman. An under God's care woman. Do you see that, Simon? 
do we? And then we, we find here that lesson, right, of little love, little forgiveness, little forgiveness, little love, much love, much forgiveness, much forgiveness, much love. And we reflect on ourselves, and we come back to, oh, I can't do that drone, flyover, objective, doesn't involve me analysis of the passage anymore. Where am I at? See, some scandalous sins aren't of the sexual, sensual nature. Some scandalous sins are of the judgmental nature, like Simon's sins. Now, I, I know we won't change that as long as Jesus tarries. That's how it's going to go, till kingdom come, literally, that certain sins are going to be branded as scandalous and others sort of shrugged about. You know, most political sins of politicians, most white-collar sins are, yeah, that's bad. You know, boy, look at the millions of people they hurt and robbed and whatever. And we, we shrug them off. Though the damage they do and the spread of their misery is far worse. And then... You know, physical, sensual sins, they get lifted up as the most scandalous. And we're not to make light of any sin, but that's how we are. So her sin is the scandalous sin, but the Pharisee sin, well, he's just exercising good biblical scrutiny, is he? Is he? Do you see this woman, Simon? He doesn't see it all. And he loves little because he thinks his sins are little. See how that works? We can all do it. I do it. When Maria was doing our meditative prelude, it dawned on me how easy it is for me to hate other people's sins. Lord, do I not hate them with a perfect hatred? <laughs> but my own sins, well, yeah, but, you know, I'm, you know, yeah, but, yeah, but. My sins somehow aren't as smelly as the next person. What, I'm a little sinner? And you're the big sinners? Or they're the big sinners, and we're the little sinners. So we can have a little Savior with little repentance and little love and little gratitude. And let them do the weeping and the repenting out there, somewhere else. The excluded ones, the ones who aren't here embracing God. Ooh. Now suddenly I start feeling like Simon the Pharisee. I didn't want to be there. And no one, when you starting out, I certainly didn't want to be the woman. 
I don't want to be the worst in town. I don't want to be the, the one that everyone's going, ooh, the worst, the, the excluded, stay away, back. I don't want to be that one either. Oh, I want to be Jesus. Well, that's easy enough. Love like him, do you? No, it's not so easy. Well, you got me confused, Pastor. Which one am I? Well, I think we're supposed to, as believers, as believers, identify with all of them. I've been and sometimes am the Pharisee. Because I know my own heart. I'm the woman. And because I know Jesus, I want to be like him. Because I'm embraced. I know exclusion. I know forgiveness. I know embrace. Wow. That's pretty good news. And then I survey my life and I ask myself where I practice exclusion. Because there's no forgiveness. There's no reconciliation. We live in a world of almost a philosophy of exclusion. Now there's a cancel culture. Name the crime. Name the sin. You're not informed. You're not with it. Canceled. One and done. I can't think of anything more opposite of the Christian gospel than that. Because if we're going to live by the philosophy of eye for eye and tooth for tooth, even a non-Christian, Gandhi, said, then you end up with a world blind and toothless. That's where that leads. Then let everyone be dead. How about instead of exclusion, embrace? How about we turn to Jesus for reconciliation? How about we look to the one who heals and changes and remakes and is patient along the way and we slide and keeps with us and we backtrack and teaches and we, even with knowledge, don't live consistently and doesn't give up and pushes forward and he's going to carry us to the finish line. Because he's good, because he so loves even us, because he provides forgiveness and gives embrace. Even why we would just as well exclude and push away and hide. I don't want I don't want anyone to know. I don't want God to see. He sees this woman. He sees you. He doesn't run away. He calls you to himself. He calls for embrace. Therefore, let's love much. I have to admit, when I come to your church, I'm encouraged to love much. May we do so. Amen.